0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest is somebody who I've been looking forward to talking to for quite some time. We're talking to the managing partner of Cosmos Capital. This man has got a lot of experience within blockchain, but also outside of it. Now the man's name is Miles Carroll and I welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for your time, knowing that you're sitting in the back of a taxi in China.
0: Thanks mate. I'm happy to be here. Uh, hopefully we don't get run over by buses on the way here.
1: Well, you are in the land of craziness. Now what brings you to China? Let me hit you up first up. Why are you in China?
0: Uh, well, we're doing a couple of different projects we're evaluating and some traditional equity investments along with a number of the exchanges for Probe, OKX, and others uh, we had a couple of exec meetings with. They wanted to partner with us on some new ventures. But, yeah, we're just here for a number of exec meetings with a number of the influencers and uh, projects within the Chinese markets. you got
1: feelers out, right? So let me ask you this first question, mate. You're running Cosmos Capital. You've been around for what, a couple of years? Is that, is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, just a couple. Since 2016 myself in this particular market uh, and the team has been uh, off and on uh, for different uh, people since like 2013, 14 to other members of the team. So what makes you
1: qualified to run Cosmos Capital working? not, I won't say exclusively, but there's obviously an arm, if not the entire reach. Uh, you, you just mentioned that you were doing some traditional uh, VC modeling and whatnot, but, I mean, what, what, why are you the managing partner of Cosmos Capital? What, what's brought you to this position? What, what's your past? What, what, where are you at? Like, why are you the managing partner at Cosmos Capital, one of the best and biggest VC models in Australia?
0: Yeah, no worries. Uh, where my background comes from, strictly, uh, I did my first startup, Feed Magnet, uh, straight out of, uh, during college and right the year I graduated. Uh, We did an exit for 10 mil right after I graduated. And since then, I went into the San Francisco space, did a number of different startups and then Fortune 500 companies I worked for. And then after that, I kind of did a number of uh, projects like New Voice Media uh, was a London based startup. And then after that, I kind of just took a break for a bit after doing helping startups launch successfully and uh, consulting, advising them and moved to China. And while I was there, I actually came across the blockchain industry in more uh, in depth in like 2016. And I just, after a 30-minute conversation, 2 a.m. one night, I just kind of jumped into it and have been involved ever since. So my background is I've been successful startups. I know had launched them, sold them, and have been investing in them since I've, for years, over a decade at this point. And we've had a good run, even at Cosmos, making good money on, on returns for the capital we had under management.
1: Well, look, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a sausage straight down the hall. I mean, I'll ask you, I mean, you you what, your mid thirties?
0: Twenty eight, actually. Shut the front
1: days. door, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we are talking with an absolute rock star of entrepreneurship, mate. When's the book coming out? Honestly, though, I'll say I'll one thing. Come out of uh, university or college or whatever you guys call it. Obviously, you do have an accent there. You're you're not as thick as me. You're on the other side of the world, so to speak. Accent-wise, you you've had success, and I commend you on that immensely. To sell a startup or to sell a business after the startup for ten million, this is no easy feat. I'm a thirty-five year old man as of today. It's my birthday today, the fifteenth of February, and I can tell you, it's not easy to scale a business to a point of sale and also it's not easy to scale a business to a point of evaluation that large so well done miles that is a wonderful little introduction as to what you've done you've had a lot of success in the past now you come into blockchain in the last couple of years 2016 you say what was it that attracted you to blockchain and, and what really got your juices flowing to really really focus on working within this ecosystem that we know as blockchain and cryptocurrency?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And really what it comes down to, I, dude, I had a conversation at 2 a.m. one time from one of my friends <laughs> who's been an investor and consultant for a long time. And he was like, you need to talk to me about this. We're going to this. It's doing well. And I was like, dude, this is a scam. It's not going to work. It's like, what, what is this? And after like 30 minutes, we just kind of sat down and it's like, all right. And I was kind of hooked after that in the ideas of what we're actually trying to change. Mm. Ideally, we got into it because we really wanted to change the world and actually make things better. Going in realistically speaking, like everybody has this hype notion this is what it's going to be decentralized everything. We're going to re- redo the entire marketing system and equity markets. Like that's strict, that's not going to happen. But what you can do is use the technology to make incremental changes and actual true improvements. If you do a percent of the uh, of hundred projects that are out there that can make one kind of change, that's good enough changes in the marketplace to actually make some type of improvement. If you reduce use corruption, you make people some money, you do some exits and do a couple unicorns to actually change something, then you're doing well. Even if that's through blockchain, AI or fintech kind of companies, you're still doing something that's worthwhile.
1: I love the way you think. You said a couple of unicorns. Now, for those of you that don't know what a unicorn is, it's a tech startup that ends up with a valuation of $1 billion. Now, Binance, in my understanding, is the fastest uh, unicorn ever. So you think big, mate. So do I. It's, it's, It's good to be in the same sort of company. Now, with your fund, the Cosmos, right? Of course, I've looked through what you've done. You have invested in a wide, and I'm talking big time. I mean, guys go to uh, was a cosmos.capital and you'll see just how many projects you've invested in are you looking at this more as a vc or a managed fund because it, as a vc i mean if you've been across all these projects that's you know that's a lot to do as an investor managing portfolios much easier to get across
0: those amount of projects what's your stance so some of them is a combination. Like I said, again, we have uh, under um, our own capital that we use this and invested with, uh, besides one or two family offices out of Australia, most of it was ourselves. So it's a combination. One is like VC work that would help raise for, do the traditional consulting advising, and others were more purely uh, actual just investments into them. And that's it's a combination of the two for these projects.
1: Okay. Well, so so you've you, you got to mix and match. So I guess the next question really is, is what do you look for in a company when it comes to investing for your fund?
0: Yeah, no, it's a good question too. Um, so we've actually changed things up a little bit. Uh, we want to uh, go back to more of the traditional equity side because the tokenization of projects, uh, they, there's just not enough control for where they should be going yeah. if you have your investment. So you need to actually be able to help and push them into directions that would actually help them um, and incentivize yourselves as the investor to move this project along into higher next rounds and raises. What we do for evaluation on them is we look at a lot of the team. Like, can they pull this off? If something happens within the project, are they going to be able to change and uh, move to a different market? Say, a government regulation comes down and stops the entire project cold. Mm-hmm. Are they smart enough to do something with the money that's left over and move on? Do they have enough connections to do it? And we're happy to help but we just need to make sure that they are able to do something that's in accordance with what they've been given and the opportunity they're given with this money.
1: So is it a focus more on revenue? I mean, like, the way I look at things right now is if, uh, if I'm going to invest, if there's, a, if there's a company there that already has a revenue model that is proven and they're looking to source uh, capital to expand their offering or to put more staff in or to scale that model – then that that makes sense because there is a model to work from. Now, of course, in yep. crypto, of course, we're talking outside of VC. A lot of the ICO space and even some of the STO, they don't have a product just yet. So the revenue comes later and people tend to invest based on the hope that others will invest and therefore the you know there'll be an increase in price. I'm an investor. I'm a trader. I've been doing it for quite some time. Started investing at 16, started trading very early. I've been doing it for 13 years. So I'm very old school in my approach. Now, when I look to invest, I'm looking for revenue models. I want to know. Look, if you're not, you know, if you're not making revenue now, that, that's okay. But how far away from you, and what are the hurdles to revenue? Is that something that a VC yep. firm like Cosmos is looking
0: for? Yeah, of course. That has to just. That's a basic fundamental for investing, mm. anyways. Uh, a lot of times, though, we like doing uh, being involved with a very early stage, uh, even before they do this. Like help them put together these revenue models. Uh, one process project was Redbelly that we've been involved with the CS and University of Sydney. Um, we were helping them put together their revenue models. And that's what we got forgot, very uh, for, uh, farther along the project uh, pipeline. And it's actually looking very good. Um, but with your very early stages, They sometimes they just have an idea. And they just look like that spark in the eye that they've done something before. They know how to do it. And they just need that little bit of like fine-tuning to make this uh, model work. And then approach it to investors, Uh, if you're going to go, are you going to be bought out or are you going to be exchange listings and having that planned out ahead of time, even from the very early stage raises, helps them a lot when they have somebody help guide that process.
1: Well, that's what we've seen a lot of I mean, There's been a lot of projects that have come out that don't have the business uh, acumen. They may have the technology, they may have the coding, they may have a lot of the things that help to create the product but there's not been a great deal of the face, the business, the people that make the, uh, the numbers come together. And that's been a definite concern in the ICO space. And, um, you know, it, it's it, we've seen the rubber hit the road or in many cases not actually hit the road. Now, another question is this, you know, Uh, You know, you and I are tied into this market in a different way to the average Joe that's probably listening to this show right now. There's definitely a bear market in price, and that's a given. We know that. But I want to know about what you see outside of price. I've got my take. I know what I know. But there's a bear market in price. Do you see a bear market in development within this
0: sector? That's that's the thing is I see a lot of projects looking and actually working on it. I've a lot of projects we invested in, and then we hold uh, a lot, a large stake in, and we've told them to hold off and not launch their tokens or their uh, the product until it's finished, or at least close to being finished, where they can use it technology because. Most of 2018 and 17 was a launch of a token without any true value. It was pure speculation value. So there's nothing really backing it up. There's no users actually using it. So they, a lot of the, even those projects are launched. They die before they can even launch their product to actually have users use it, whatever the intended purpose was. Um, what I see actually is the two different folds. One is you'll have the, these projects that are actually building it out. So next, later this year, hopefully, most likely the year after and the year after that, um, you'll see a lot more of these projects. They had the tokens launch their products when their tokens come out. Uh, So it actually, a correlation between it and actually real use cases. Second, you'll see things like ChainSpace. ChainSpace team was recently acquired by Facebook Uh, earlier this month. You can check online. There's the news listings on it. And they had a very good idea of teams and i actually see a lot more of these happening too the mergers and acquisitions within the projects for the enterprise place and what we actually see is a lot of teams start raising or potentially building out their ideas with the potential of being uh, acquired less so much on the token side but more of the equity side because a lot of the enterprises that we've talked to don't even want to have tokens talked about it's like if they raise an ico there's like no that's not going to happen so We've geared even some of the ones that we've talked to that have uh, even the conversations like Red Belly from uh, we mentioned before uh, towards this model. They're not even doing a token uh, right now. They're going to do an equity raise. Uh, they're already talking to the University, uh, to the Reserve Bank of Australia, Commonwealth Bank, and a lot of those other institutions, the three of the big four insurance provi- consultants, KPMG and Deloitte. Uh, and they said, like, we we're happy to work with them, but they can't do a token. And maybe acquisition, but only if if they hit these uh, criteria and actually have revenue models built out. And that's like going back to traditional startups—you have to have money, you have to have revenue, or how a uh, plan to get there.
1: Well, I, I I couldn't agree more, and I I, I truly sit in the uh, the pool of you know, we, we looked at 2017 <laughs> where crypto went nuts, um, and it captured the attention of the world. I'm talking, you know, your grandmother sitting on the couch who was watching the news, opening the newspaper, to your, you know, your CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Nobody has missed out unless they have been buried under a goddamn rock. And let's be honest, if they're under a goddamn rock, they're not investors. Um, (laughs) It's opened the world up to blockchain, and I'm not just saying cryptocurrency. I'm talking about blockchain. Blockchain is the sexiest piece of emerging technology in the world right now when it comes to innovation in business. Now, what that's done is we look at the pricing now, right? We look at the pricing right now. And everyone, everyone last year was saying, oh, it's the year of the institution. They're coming. They're coming. And let me tell you one thing, ladies and gentlemen, the institutions have come. They are there. And let me tell you what the boom is right now. The boom is not ICOs. The boom is not STOs. The boom is people that have built businesses within the infrastructure that are good operators because VC is there knocking on the goddamn door. There's big business that wants to have part of this infrastructure and own it. If not purely from a perspective of, I believe, but also from a risk management point of view. And the the tide has turned and we are seeing that right now. Institutions are there. They are involved. The crowdsourcing funding model has diminished significantly. The teams that are raising now publicly and VC-wise are better. They've got grey hair, they're stronger, and they're business people. No more can you go out there with an example of a university project with a website, a video, and a white paper with spelling mistakes and raised $10 The space is growing up. Okay, you look at the prices, and the prices are not, but that ain't anything we are such a small market of innovation we are not going anywhere in my view and i've put everything in it so how does a company looking for investment tend to approach whether it be cosmos or a vc successfully
0: successfully the best way is always referral or a network um if i was a startup i would actually just start building out these networks ahead of time even before they just like know they want to do start they want to be involved with it And I would just have it to where these are people you just connect with. It's like, hey, I'm having this idea. I want to do it. They need to start figuring out where people are at. The best successful like entrepreneurs I know that have raised and launched projects, they're within those networks. It's kind of a cliche to say, but the more people you know, the easier it is for you to get anything done. We'll always look at emails. We'll always have our associates go through any projects that are sent in our mailbox. We look at each one of them. Uh, But the one when you get to sit down and chat with somebody over a beer, Uh, When you have it to where you're in that circle or you run into us at a conference, that's going to be a lot more powerful than if you're going to just send us an email and just try and get five minutes of one of our associates time.
1: I mean, that, that kind of goes, goes across the board, right? I mean, you, know, you want to do a yeah. blanket email uh, to try and create business, you got Buckley's Chance. It's all about who you know and uh, getting the toe in and having the respect and credibility, and that's what's really, really important, not just in this industry but in business in general. You, you can't expect to be a uh, minnow and walk into a big boy's ground without having a little bit of big boy respect, and that respect is earned and it's grown and it comes down to execution. Exactly. So, look... I mean, let's, let's, let's back round to a full 360 and come out to a final question of what type of investments is Cosmos Capital really looking to make at the moment, given the ecosystem and where it stands? What are you after?
0: So we've actually done a focus on more traditional infrastructure projects that would be suitable for M&As for enterprise plays. Ones that look like they can do improve improvements on the financial institution models, the payment systems, anything in that space that's of particular interest because we see that as a prime leverage use cases to be either acquired or uh, do in launch in the near-term, short-term future of like two to four years. And that in ourself, like, I think would be our best target audience that is just prime for market disruption in the current space. So you're looking for disruption.
1: You're looking for market share because the, the word disruption, it's an entrepreneurial's, uh, you know dictionary word. Everyone wants to use the word disrupt. Everyone talks about Uber, the disruption of Uber, and all these other different plans and businesses and whatnot. Not everyone can disrupt technology the same way that Uber did. And let me make one thing very clear. Uber has been sitting on a pretty flat balance sheet for a very long time, investing in their expansion, much the same model as what Amazon did for a very, very long time. So it really does come down to innovation, uh, how like, revenues can be split in many different ways. Revenues can be pulled out by the company owners, by the shareholders, by the dividend holders, by the investors and whatnot. Other revenues and the preferred method for a lot of businesses that have done well over the last decade, and I'm to say well, I'm talking become massive leaders in their industry, have been reinvesting back into the technology, back into the product when you go into an investment, when you find the magic uh, magic mix of you know, the right people, the right design, the right long-term, middle-term, short-term cash flow plans... Are you looking to get out quick or are you and your fund more interested in changing the world and at the same time, let's, let's, let's not just go down the hole, yay, yeah, we'll change the world. You're in business to make money, mate, just like I am. Are you looking to exit early or are you looking for your long-term, let's, let's, let's look at 10, 15 years?
0: It just depends on the project, right? Um, some projects are more short-term that it's going to M&A. We see that they're going to be disruptive and that an enterprise player wants to acquire them. Like uh, ChainSpace uh, had with Facebook in a very short time of less than a year because they're just rough to their models and they want to have the team and the technology IP rights right away. So they're going to willing to fork out a, a chunk of change just to have that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also your plays that are longer term. I think we like to have the option of doing both short term and well, long term yeah. because it just suits our style of what our investors are. We just were mostly focused in this industry, in the industry of blockchain. And which ones are actually work. I think the biggest factor, though, what we need to have in the next couple of years to actually see any real true uh, growth yes. in the blockchain is moving away from that speculative value to actually some type of uh, true value. real world value. So yeah. true value. And uh, having these M&As of like these companies that are building at this technology and then being acquired by a bigger enterprise player. Helps the valuations, right? Enterprise. It helps with evaluation, but it also it helps with the adoption of the technology a bit quicker and faster because they have users and uh, to actually use the technology faster. And then it proves out that model. So even if there is longer-term players, they will actually be able to true, have that time, that runway, and investment opportunities from because of the people that were coming earlier and have these amenities. That's the kind of the model we've thought about.
1: Well, we need to bridge the gap, mate. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we've, we've got a new industry, a new technology, uh, a new, Jesus, there's so many applications of the word new when it comes to what we're doing and what this space is doing. The, the major thing for a firm like yourself is being able to bridge the gap through crypto investors and traditional investors. We need to break down that barrier between, well, The business model sounds great, but what's this token rubbish? I don't understand that. There needs to be a bridge of gap of that. There needs to be a bridge of gap between the individual who knows what crypto is but how to actually use it. Where does it change lives? Where does it change businesses? Where does it change revenue models? And how do we bring that to the forefront so that it does have that mass adoption? And there's companies like yours, Cosmos Capital, that are trying to innovate and invest in the innovators in this, I guess it's an ecosystem to continue to push forward and lead the space. At. And, of course, you are a VC model, so therefore you do wish to profit from that. So it's really worthwhile for all the listeners now to be on what you guys are saying. So with that, Miles, where do they find more information about you and your company?
0: You have to look on our website at www.cosmos.capital. Um, you can look us up on LinkedIn. I'm sure that a couple Google searches will get us out there, and you can send us any information at info at cosmoscapital.com if you want to send some projects or just get in touch with us happy to chat
1: well mate it's been an absolute pleasure discussing the state of the market from a different perspective i really appreciate your time i know that you've probably been sitting in the heat and humidity of china in the back of a taxi for much longer than you needed to i wish you all the best in your journeys and i look forward to speaking to you again very soon thank you so much once again miles carroll the managing partner at cosmos capital thank you so much Cheers, Craig. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time. Bye for now.
0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cob courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters.